0: Well, we're going to continue in a series, well, a brand new series today. And we're starting that series, and it's called Renewed. And this morning's sermon is called Belonging. Belonging to what? To the church, to the family of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And we thank you today that we are not left alone. That you have a purpose for us. And Lord, we pray today that you would forgive us and cleanse us, forgive me and cleanse me, and fill me with your spirit, fill me, so that you would speak to your people, and Lord, we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it, and that you would not just stir us, but Lord, that you would change us. And we're coming today with great expectation that you're going to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. As I've already said, we're, we're starting a new series called Renewed, and that means Christ Church is renewing, renewing something. We're, we're actually bringing back a program called Home Run Christian. How many remember that program? Yeah, quite a few of you. And you know that we had four bases or four classes that you had to participate, and once you completed them, you became a Home Run Christian. Well, we, we designed it, we set it up like a baseball diamond, and you can see the PowerPoint there before you, and in order to become a, a person who reached first base, you had to be part of the membership class. To get to second base, you had to, be, you had to participate in the, the, the maturity class. Third base, you had to participate in the ministry class, and the last class, in order to, to, to cross over home plate, you had to fulfill the missions class. And once you took all those classes, you crossed home plate, we called you a home-run Christian. And the pastors autographed a number of baseballs, and we gave you a baseball, and it was a great program. Matter of fact, I still believe that is a great program, and I'm so glad that they are resurrecting it again, bringing it back to us at Christ Church, because it really helped us understand who we are as a church. It helped us to understand what we believe and why we believe it. It also... Helped us to understand the ministries that were going on in the church so that we could get involved. And it inspired us and motivated us to fulfill the mission that Christ has given to all of us. To go and make disciples of all people of all nations. So I'm very excited about this coming back. But we're changing it. We're dropping all the baseball analogies. Because what we learned was this that once everybody completed the bases and they got home, they ended up taking themselves into the dugout. They just thought it was over. That's it. I'm done. And they went into the dugout, and we thought, wow, we can't do that anymore. We just got them prepared, trained them to get into the game. Can't go in the dugout and quit. No, we had, so we're dropping that idea, and all we're saying to you is that it's very, very important for us as a church to be discipled, to be trained, to be equipped So we're encouraging you to be part of the membership class, the maturity class, the ministry class, and eventually the missions class. So that's what we're talking about today. And today we're talking about belonging. Belonging, becoming part of of a church. Joining the family of God in a local location where you can begin to work out your purpose and your calling in your life. We call that membership. So... I want to, before I begin to look at that today, I want to help us understand some of the theological significance behind these classes and why we put them together. Well, you know that discipleship is a process. We're always in a process. The key to becoming a disciple is to make progress in the process, right? We're going to continue to continue to grow. See, we're not here just to be a disciple. We're here to be a disciple maker. That was the purpose, that's why we exist, is to multiply ourselves. That's one of the purposes, that we would take what God has taught us and impart it in someone else's life. So it's just not to be a disciple again, but it's to become a disciple maker. Well, Jesus designed that strategy, and he had a strategy behind everything he did in making his disciples, and I would like to look at that strategy with you, and as we look at it, it will lead us right into our passage this morning. So I've given you uh, an illustration that will hopefully help you visualize the strategy of Jesus. It's, I put it together like a cake. Now I'm visual, so I think this helps me, and hopefully it'll help you. The first layer of that cake, of the strategy of Christ, is called membership. Second is maturity, third is ministry, and fourth is mission, and then we're sent out. At Urban Impact Foundation, we change those words around a little bit. We talk about win, build, equip, multiply, and send. But it's all the strategy. However you do the semantics, it's all the strategy of Jesus Christ and how he built his disciples and how the church is to build disciples today. So as you look at that strategy for a moment, I want to first just take on that first layer of cake, membership. Let's do that right now. We know that in the New Testament, Jesus took on 12 disciples. He called them out. He said, come follow me. And when he called them out, they had to make a commitment to him. They had to make a decision to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. One great example is found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where Jesus is talking to Peter and Andrew. And he says this. He says, follow me and I'll I'll make you fishers of men. And he calls them out. And what did they do? They dropped their nets they left their company, the fishing company, and they actually went and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. They made a commitment to him. And when they made a commitment, what they were saying, they said, Jesus, you're our shepherd and we're your sheep. Jesus, you are the teacher and we will be your disciples. And they committed themselves and they said, we will join your team. We will be a member of your squad, of your team. And every one of those disciples had to make that decision. They had to make that commitment commitment to Jesus Christ, each and every one of them. They had to make a decision and a commitment to become a member on his team. However, inherent in their commitment to Jesus was their commitment to one another. Because this was not a journey Jesus intended them to take alone or on their own. Let me read that again. Inherent in their commitment to Jesus was their commitment to one another because this was not a journey Jesus intended them to take on their own. Twenty-three times Jesus said to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. What he was saying to them, he's saying, just as you've committed to me and I have committed to you, now commit to one another. Love one another. A great example of this is found in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. It says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Notice he says, I command. Not a suggestion here, a commandment. The commandment was to love each other as I have loved you. What he was saying, he's saying, you made a commitment to me, now make a commitment to one another. Join the team, yes, but be committed to the members on the team. He was calling those people to be a band of brothers. They had no idea that they were entering into a spiritual war, and he had to bring them together so that they would really love one another. Do you know there's almost 50-some one-anothers that were commanded to keep in the, in the New Testament and in some in the Old Testament. We are to love one another, to share with one another, to pray for one another, on and on and on. And he, drove, he, he, he called this band of brothers, if you will, to do that, to love each other like he loved them. That's called, if you will, membership, to join the team and be part of the team, a place that you belong, that you have a responsibility and a role to play And we're to take seriously that calling. You see, we're not just called to believe. We're called to belong. Jesus not only called his disciples to come and follow him and also to belong to one another, but then we move on to the third layer of the cake, and it's called maturity. The moment they made a commitment to Jesus, he began to mature them in their faith. He helped them to grow up in the faith. And he used four components the Word of God, he began to teach them the Word of God, who God is, who, who he was, how they could know that, that heaven could be their home. He began to teach them about prayer and all those things from the Word of God, he being the truth, the Word of God, began to speak to them. But at the same time, he called his disciples out to pray. And they went to quiet places to pray. And he, he helped them to understand what that meant, but also demonstrated it, showed them how to pray. Then he brought them together as a fellowship, Remember, he's calling these people together to be a band of brothers, and they did everything together. They shared, they lived, they, they ate together, they lived together. They were a fellowship, up close and personal with each other. And then he created an opportunity for those disciples to give testimony Of what? Of the great things that he was doing. He would do miracles and they would give testimony among themselves and they would go out and give testimonies to the people around them. And God used, the Lord Jesus Christ used the word of God, prayer, fellowship, and testimony to build the faith of these followers of Christ. Now you might be asking yourself the question, where's worship in all this, Pastor Ed? Well, you need to understand in the Hebrew mind and also in the mind of Christ, Worship was something that you did all the time in everything that you do. If you, whatever you do, whatever act you do, if you do it for God's glory and honor, that was worship. So if they were reading, the, or if they were studying the Word of God, or if they were preaching or praying, yes, that was worship. But also, when they were out attending the sheep, or out fishing, or going out to get food, or preparing food all of it, if they were doing it for God's glory and honor, was an act of worship. You need to understand that's the concept in the New Testament. That's what Jesus, that's the truth of what worship really means. Yes, it is singing songs. It is a time that we have corporately. Right now we are worshiping God, but this is not the only time. Everything you do can be an act of worship. So that being the umbrella, yes, they worshiped. But Jesus used what now? He used worship, but he also used what? The Bible, he used prayer, he used fellowship, and he used testimonies to build people up, those people, in the faith. So he matured them. The third layer of the cake is ministry. Ministry. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. And he sent them out, and they went out and they ministered. And then they came back, and they would report to Jesus what they had found or what happened. There was one occasion that a boy, he was sick, and he had a bad spirit, and the disciples were trying to heal him, but nothing happened. Finally, they brought the boy to Jesus, and Jesus prayed for that child, and the spirit left him, and he was healed. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, and it says this, when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? He said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. You see, Jesus was taking that moment to train his disciples in ministry. Matter of fact, Jesus spent a year and a half maturing his believers, and he spent six months training them and equipping them for ministry, sending them out two by two, coming back and training them. And in the last six months of his life, he was preparing them to do the mission. And that leads us to the mission. Here we find... Four times Jesus says to his disciples to fulfill his mission. I've given you four references. The four times, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Luke chapter 24, verses 4, 46 through 49, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and then Acts 1.8. We're going to look just at, the, at that one passage in the book of Acts, but before we look at that, I just wanted you to see those four references. Four times he called his disciples out to fulfill the mission. But when he first showed up, he said this. He said in Luke chapter 19.10, in many other places, he declared his mission. His mission was to come and seek and save that which is lost. Now, did he do that? Absolutely. He died on the cross. He was raised again from the dead. Anybody who repents of their sin and believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, today they can be saved to know for certain that heaven's their home and they have a relationship with God. Jesus provided he fulfilled the mission that the Father had given to him. But after he died and was raised to give the dead, he showed up and he talked to the disciples. And he said this in John chapter 20, 21. He said, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And then we go into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before Jesus is ascending onto the right hand of the Father, he looks at those disciples one last time and he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world. And that's our mission. And we all know that those disciples got that done in that day. But then the Bible also tells us that God sent his son, yes, but then he sent his spirit and then he sends the church. And we go to the the second book or the second chapter of Acts to find the spirit coming and the church beginning. There we find the disciples going up into the upper room and there they're praying and then just as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received power from the Holy Spirit. And then they walked out of that room, and Peter stood up in front of the city, and he began to preach the gospel. And there in chapter 2, verse 45, 41, it says this. Chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And what we have here is Jesus was sent by the Father, and then the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, and then right here is the beginning of the church. 3,000 people. Now, we know scholars tell us that that's just the counting of men. That's not including the women and the children. Most scholars believe between six to 10,000 people came to know Christ that day. Could you imagine 10,000 people showing up at Christ's church tomorrow? I mean, imagine, in one day, this place filled up with 10,000 people. Man, Barry and I and the rest of the pastors, we'd be, we'd be pulling our hair out, wouldn't we? We'd be do- you know what we would need? We would need every one of you in this room to become a disciple maker. For that's what Jesus called us to be, to be disciple makers. We need every one of you. And that's what they did in those days. They had the the apostles, but they had also 120 people that were around those guys during the life of Christ, and they were the church, and once the church began, there was 120, and the next day, there were 10,000. So what did they do? They took the same strategy that Jesus had taken with them and discipled them, and they implemented it into the church. And that strategy was what? Win, build, equip, multiply, send, or... Here at Christ Church, become a member. Join the church. Become part of the family of God. First, come to know Christ. Join the church. Then mature. Then find out your gifts and abilities. Use your gifts and abilities in ministry. And then get the mission done. And they took that same strategy and they began to impart it. Let's see how they did that. In verse... 41 of Acts chapter 2, again, it says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So they made a commitment to Christ. The next commitment was to the church, to the people of God. Second thing that happened. In verses 42 and 43, they began to take these brand new babes in Christ and they began to mature them in the faith the same way Jesus matured them. Look what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So they devoted themselves first to the the teaching. Well, who taught the apostles? Jesus Christ. So they took what Jesus taught them, which is the word of God. They used the word of God to mature those young believers. And then, just as Jesus had taught them to have fellowship with one another, to love one another, they began to have fellowship with one another, and they began to teach them what Jesus taught them there. And then they began to pray, and showing them how to pray. And then, as I say again, it says everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The apostle Pauls—I mean, the apostles—saw. Jesus do miraculous signs. Now they were do them, doing them. And back when they saw Jesus, they would go out and give testimony of the great things that God was doing in their midst, and that's exactly what was happening in this church. Now the apostles were going out and doing miraculous things, and the people were going and spreading all that great news and giving testimony to all the things that God was doing. So here we find they were God used the same strategy to raise up the church. He used the word of God, they had fellowship with one another, they prayed for each other. They learned to pray, and they gave testimony. But there's one thing more, and of course, that's all under the umbrella of worship. But there's one more thing that they added. Do you see it? Do you see it in the verse? There it's found. Breaking of bread. Jesus said to them, keep this command. Remember my death and my resurrection. So they added communion inside the services, inside their time of discipleship. Third thing they did, is they began to minister to the people, the apostles did, and then they began to equip the saints to do the ministry. Look what it says in verse 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. In other words, the apostles began to minister and kind of like show and tell these young believers how they are to minister to one another and meeting the needs of the flock. But then we find, now you've got to remember, there's ten thousands, 10,000 of them, I should say. Verse 46, it tells us how they got it all done, though. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together in glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Notice it says every day they continued to what? To meet together Where? Say it. Where? Temple courts. That meant that they corporately worshipped just like we did every day. Not just on Sunday. Every day they gathered those thousands of believers and they began to disciple them, encourage them, and train them up. They had thousands of them. Now, later on, historically, we know that the Jerusalem church finally went back to once a week, but not now. They had 10,000, they had to do their business. They had to get them together. They had to teach them. But also, in corporate worship and corporate uh, training and so on, they broke them down into small groups. Look what it says in verse 46 it says, They broke bread one another in their homes. You know, it's impossible to have fellowship with 10,000 people. It's impossible to have fellowship truly with a thousand people, a hundred people. But you can have true fellowship among ten to twenty people. So they broke this huge group of people into small groups and they began to teach them and train them how to minister to one another, how to, how to read and study the Word of God, how to pray, where their answers, their questions could be answered, and so on. And they built those people up. They began to equip them and they equipped them so well. Look what happens. And this is why I know he began, they began to, to equip the saints to do the work in ministry. Look what it says in verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That phrase there, all the people, is not referring just to those who are in the church, but those who are outside of the church. Now I remind you that this church was started in opposition of its culture. It wasn't vogue. It wasn't cool. It wasn't popular to be part of this congregation, this new church. They were up against it. So when it says that they had favor with all the people, that means all the people in the community, in the city of Jerusalem, where they worked, where they played, where they shopped, their neighbors, their families, they began to have favor. How could that happen? I'll tell you how that happened because they became part of a congregation. They began to mature in their faith and those disciples, those apostles began to train and equip the people to do the work and they began to live it out in their communities and what happened is that they began to become light in darkness. They were trained and equipped to communicate and demonstrate the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ and people began to ask them for the reason of their hope and they began to share with them and the end result of it is found in verse 47 and here we get back finally to the mission. And the mission is getting done, and it says in verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what have we learned? We've learned that Jesus Christ had a strategy of discipleship. And he didn't just call us to be a disciple, he called us to be a disciple maker. Where in your life are you imparting what you have learned to someone else so that they become a disciple? If you're not doing that, then you need to quickly go out into the foyer or pick up that slip of paper and sign up for the membership class so you can get involved in the membership classes that we have here so that you can be trained and equipped to do that. So I encourage you. Join a small group, get involved, get so that you're growing, so that you do not waste your time, you do not want to stand before God and ask Him, what did you do with your life? And you just lived the way that the world lives, and you end up thinking, and, and, and I'm saying that you've got to join the church to be a Christian. You can be a Christian outside of the church, but I'll say this, you'll never, ever fulfill the purpose that God has in your life outside of the church. It's impossible. Let me explain that to you. If you look at what's happening here, you understand that, uh, already that you cannot, you cannot be isolated from the body of Christ and truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. Impossible. Jesus came to build the what? No, you need to, okay, we, we help me now this morning. I know that's not usual, but I just need you to help me to know that you're getting it because then I'll keep trying to give illustration after illustration to explain it to you. What did Jesus Christ come to build? the church he didn't come to build ministry he came to build a church inside the church is where all this stuff happens because you know what because we are called the family of god hear me you were called to believe but then you were called to belong the moment you received christ as your savior you became a child of god and you joined the family of god let me help you with that let me give you a better illustration here it is you ready You see, God created all of us. He created everyone, all mankind. He created everything. And when he created you, he created you, and you joined, the moment you were created, you became universally part of the human race. But once that baby is born, once you were born, if you were left alone, isolated from a family, you would have died, physically speaking. So it was important that that child be born, But it would be born in the context of a mother and a father, a family, where that child could be raised, where that child could be nurtured, that child could become whole, and know its right, its roles, and its responsibility so that it could become everything that God intended that child child to be. And hopefully, go out and multiply a family for itself. That's the physical example. God created us all. But now, We're not just part of the human race, physically. We've been born again spiritually, amen? We've been born again, we became a child of the living God. All of us are created, but not all of us are children of God. The only way that you can become a child of the living God is by receiving Christ as your Savior, and the moment you believed, you belonged. You belonged to what? To the family of God, and we are called the family of God. And when you became a Christian, you joined the universal family of God. Past, present, and future. In other words, Moses is your brother. Esther's your sister. Pastor John's your brother. I'm your brother. You're my sister. You're my brother. We're the family of God. But if you stay isolated from the family of God, you're going to die. You will never, ever be able to reach your potential and fulfill the purpose purposes that God has in your life, standing outside of the church, being uncommitted to the body of Christ. You have a responsibility and a role to be part of this family. And the moment you became a child of God, you joined this family. And here, universally speaking, you've got to make a decision to become part of a local family the church, a local church where you can join that church where you can begin to grow and nurture and use your gifts and abilities God gave to you so that all the church, when all the water goes up, all the boats go up with it that we all win you see, you are needed, you belong you're valuable God called you, formed you made you for such a time as this in this world and you're sitting in the pew because God has something for you and only you can do. God's done this for all of us and we become part of the family of God. Hear me. Satan has a scouting report though. He has a scouting report on every one of us and he knows who shows up and who doesn't. And guess what? When you don't show up, guess where he hits the ball? Right where you should be. So you see you play a significant role and you have a responsibility as part of the family of God and you must choose Somewhere where you are going to belong, raise your child, your children, your family, so that they too can mature in their faith and that you know how to do ministry and so that you're fulfilling the mission. So that you're using your time, your talent, and your treasures to become disciple makers. So today, I am encouraging you. If you are sitting out there thinking, I don't know what church I want to belong to and you happen to be here today or you've been coming here for a long period of time and you're saying, okay, Pastor Ed, man, I'm pretty convinced. I've got to join some type of church. I've got to become part of a family so that I can grow and nurture and my family can grow. Then I'm encouraging you to take that green piece of paper, sign up for the membership class, or go out into the foyer and sign up and make sure that you do not miss God's purpose for you and your family. Folks, you are absolutely needed for such a time as this in this generation. You are valuable. We need you. We need you to step in, step up. The church will be committed to you. We need to just commit to each other. God bless you. It's always good to be here and opening up the word of God for all of you. And I am very, very proud, a holy pride, if you will, of what you are, who you are, and where we're going. We are on the mission that God has called us to be on. We are raising up disciples for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for the people in this room. I would ask, Lord Jesus, that today that you would take us deeper. Today we would sign up, if we have not signed up yet, to become part of this process so that we are guaranteed that we will move and and continue to have progress in that process. God, that's a decision we've got to make. Help us to make it and do it for your glory and your honor. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.